The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing and Tom. You know what today is? What is today? It's the second freaking day in a row where it's like 900 degrees. Yeah. And making us feel like it's August again. Yeah, Bailey and I were complaining about this because uh, we both don't trust the, the thermostat this time of year. But Especially in this building. Yeah, but but uh, but in terms of uh, for, for Twins baseball, it's a little better than, than like 55 or something like that. So I'm hoping, hoping it holds through so that, uh, you know, people get out to the park, see this team as they, what well, we assume, will charge the playoffs. And perhaps you'll be in the clubhouse when they clinch. Yeah. Maybe you can bum some goggles off Bailey. This is, though, Tom Schreier at T. Schreier 3, co-founder of Zone Coverage. Having a good day, I I I am. I I might bum some booze off Bailey. I think that's what the Red Dogs are for. I think I might bring Red Dog. I think Red Dog might be. Yeah, Bailey's, Bailey's on board with that. And that voice that you hear in the background is avid body issue reader Justin Bailey. At I am Justin Bailey on the Twitter machine, the Twitter box. We had we had to kick him out. Little known fact, we were it was a little too much body issue for the uh, for the work environment. I have body issues, but it has nothing to do with ESPN. <laughs> yes, and Bailey. We should point this out. Bailey now no longer uses a microphone. He's cool, just yelling at us from uh, from back where he produces. Also, I think having like a six course meal. Uh, Bailey's been eating for like three hours straight. <laughs> tried to drink my CBD oil too. <laughs> I'm eating pretzels. It's fine. Um, a little plug for my Twitter page. <laughs> These pretzels. Are I had an interaction thirsty. with Christian Yelich. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Body, we have to speaking get to of this. the body issue. Yeah, yeah I had. Uh, he tweeted a screenshot from my photo or from my phone yesterday that I tweeted at him about some bush league coverage on ESPN. Uh, so yeah, head over to at Christian Yelich on Twitter. You'll see that photo is from my phone, my background, right here. Heard it here first. And I love it. That means that you guys are, like you said in the text, oh, basically best friends. Yeah, we're best friends now. We're, so maybe we can do a two for one with him and Jeremy Jeffress. Yeah, we'll get I'll, I'll three for some, one yeah. with, with Josh Kuznick. Yeah. That that podcast would A that. That be, would be three hours long, B have more expletives than like South Park. And it would probably have like five hundred <laughs> downloads. <laughs> We'd have to put away that C B D oil if Jeffress <laughs> was coming on. He'd probably bring his own BYO C B D. I don't know. We're, we won't talk about it too much. That's about the closest need, I am to taking need, drugs. We but. need to talk about the twins. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to talk about this Felipe Vasquez story from today yeah. because it's messed up. Uh, Pirates closer Felipe Vasquez arrested Tuesday morning in Pittsburgh will be extradited to Florida and face felony charges of child solicitation and providing obscene material to minors. So uh. he apparently was sexually involved with a 13-year-old girl two years ago. She's now 15, and he's oh. been messaging her about possible liaisons this offseason after the season's over. This is messed up. This is messy. And if you had to guess right now, I know we don't get a lot out of guessing right now, but is he ever going to throw another pitch again? I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. I, I'm sure teams um, aren't going to want anything to do with him. I... I don't know really what to say here. I, I obviously would have to read more about it. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is, um, I just, unless, unless, I don't know how, given the evidence, that it's anything but what we see here. Oh, and yeah. With what we see here, 
he really should not be playing baseball. He should be seeking help or certainly imprisoned. I mean, like it, it's yeah, he's seeking incarceration right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just like yeah, that you know, not much more to say. I just don't know what team would would um, want that, especially we've seen with the Twins that what a what a good positive clubhouse can do. I mean, I know they went well, through the Pineda they're the thing, opposite. but they're the opposite. The Pirates. Yeah. That he just had that fight with Kyle Crick where he like broke Crick's finger and Crick's yeah. out for the year. Yeah. And now they're, I mean, they're both out for the year, but it's, uh, it's unbelievable how small things. And then a huge thing like this, it just, that, that whole clubhouse is just a mess right now. And you almost want to start over. It makes you feel bad for, of course, the victim, but also, you know, fans and all that that have to subject themselves to this. Of course, again, yeah. Be above all for the victim. Yeah. But also for the the fans again that uh that you know root for these guys and don't know anything about them. Yeah. You yeah, know, it's, that's it's kind of the awful, suspended awful, yeah, situation. Kind of the suspended disbelief that you know we have as fans when we're when we're fans. Yeah. I did I did mention that it's very very warm out. It was I want to say like 92 when I drove to the park yesterday. It's 85 right now. Yeah. It's supposed to be in the 80s. The next three days, and then three of the next four, there's rain in the forecast. Focus forecast forecast. Um, I mean, it, it's somewhere. <laughs> listen, listen. I showed my wife the video of you saying Justin Bailey's going to keep it in, <laughs> and she thought it was the funniest thing she'd seen in a long time. And honestly, she doesn't think that I'm that funny. So, suck it. Um. Three of the next four days, well, Wednesday I'm covering, but you've got three, yeah. you've got Friday and Saturday. I'm wondering if Rain Dance Schreier is going to make another appearance after wearing himself out in Boston. Mo- most certainly, most certainly. Uh, Rain Dance Schreier is not a welcome presence in the clubhouse. Was it Boston? No, Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. They, they had Cle- a rain out in Boston, but it was not. Yeah. No, it no did not they, played, they played Boston, late but, in Boston, right? Um, That's what it was. Yeah, the... Uh, Yes, but the yeah, little known fact, the Odorizzi quotes, he was actually mad at me. It wasn't the uh, Cleveland Indians. That was such a weird situation. I think we should actually talk about this. He, you know, he really felt like they were trying to kind of burn him, right? As in try to get him out there for a couple innings, cancel the game, and assure that it would be two bullpen games the next day. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so that was the Saturday that they essentially clinched the central. I, certainly any Minnesota team is prone to. You know, this is the first will. time we've talked to you since Cleveland though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, he was very, very upset about this. And the, the great thing about him is he pretty much tells you as, as it is, um, he wanted to pitch against the Indians. He wants to pitch in a game and games that are meaningful. I think he certainly expects to be a starter in the playoffs. I would expect that too. Um, and I don't think this was the, I don't think this was the Indians trying to kind of shortchange no the twins. I we know that Francona is like a first class manager, and that um, well, he's got a long relationship with Rocco. It was his manager in Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I should should point this out. Like he, we found out Lewis Thorpe was making the start in the second bullpen game because Tito called. Oh yeah, in the uh, middle of the presser. Rocco in the middle of the presser, and that's how I wrote about that. But um, yeah, I so I don't think that's what happened. There's an argument, Rocco. How, how about this? How do you feel about? It from Rocco's end. Should Rocco have gone a bullpen game on Friday, knowing it put, could have potentially been rained out? We did see it in the forecast. Mm, no, I don't think so. I think he played it right because if the game starts, you can't let yourself overthink it. And it actually, 
you know, they used their guy. So it was it Savali that night. Yeah, I think so. So if you look at his numbers since his debut, he had like the lowest ERA since he his was debut. good here. I think he yep. kind of fell apart later, but he was good for the most part. Well, it was here. funny to me though that the rain wiped out only one of the team's runs, as I tweeted. Next day it was 2-0 after the game started 2-2. Yep, yep. So, and I think the two runs were a Polanco home run again, weren't they? Polanco did hit a home run, and I believe it was with a guy. Basically. I can't remember if it yeah. was. Uh, yeah, if it was. And this led to the, there was a lot that happened there. The controversy where Clevenger suggested, that or at least they, said something like, well, you saw what happened last year, and that's a reference to the steroids that Sarah suspension that Polanco had. That was a bad idea. There was Odorizzi upset. I think reasonably upset. I don't think this was Cleveland messing with them at all. No. And, oh. and Clevenger said he was kidding, joking around. I think he was just frustrated, honestly. I do, too. I don't think Clevenger thinks Polanco was on steroids. I, I, I just don't believe that. I also think Rocco had the perfect response where he's like, if you know who Jorge is, you know, he wouldn't have said something like that. Also, it's not fair, but you do open yourself up for some criticism. Like, when you get suspended for steroids, like they, it, it's, I don't think the players should say it. Mm -hmm. I don't think Clevenger should use it as an excuse. He should have said it. Certainly shouldn't have said it on camera, but you know, there's like fans in the stands who are saying that I know they're held to a separate standard than the starting pitcher for the Cleveland Indians, one of the best yeah, players. Yeah. But, um, I, you know, and we've seen this with Polanco. I, I, and same thing with Panetta. I think these would qualify as this is why you have a drug problem or program. <laughs> drug problem. Yeah. So I, um, I, you know, I think it's, it's to make sure that there's an even and fair playing field. Um, however, you know, once you're caught and go through it, mm -hmm. I guess, I don't know how much that's going to stick with Pineda unless it happens again. Right. And same thing with Planco. I just, I don't yeah. expect him to be suspended for it again. I, I saw a lot of Cleveland fans though, suggesting that the twins are a bunch of juicers, which, yeah, which is dumb. Obnoxious. I mean, that, you can find the lowest common denominator of any fan base including most notably the they, St. Louis Cardinals. I mean, they're, but, they're, I, but I felt like it was weird that Nelson Cruz was quoted in that story when six years ago, Nelson Cruz was popped for steroids too, you yeah. know, or PEDs. I, I don't want to say steroids because Pineda wasn't a steroids guy. It was guy. a diuretic and diuretics are used to mass steroids. That's why you got but, it. But the tr it was such a trace amount that they were convinced it was not being used to mask it. So... Right, and, 60 and instead of eighty, and it, yeah, you know, he could have pitched in the postseason if the the suspension would have ended beforehand. Yeah, unfortunately, it's going to be about forty, thirty nine, forty one, something like that games into next year. And in fact, at the dinner table last night, you know, dinner table conversation at Target Field, yeah, turned to bringing Pineda back next year. And I don't remember if we've talked about it on the show before, but I do think it makes a lot of sense in that they're going to need as many as four and at least three starters next year. And you can't promise too many of those rotation spots to guys like Devin Smeltzer, Randy Dobnak, Louis Thorpe, Fernando Romero, Ruzdar Gratterall. So you use those first 40 games as a, or an audition for one of those guys. And in that case, if they falter, You've got a ready-made replacement in Pineda. If they're good, it's a good problem to have, or you move them to the bullpen or send them out if they have options and you've got a stocked rotation and bullpen, which could happen. But it just it gives them, oddly enough, more flexibility. I think it comes down to if they offer him a qualifying offer, which I believe they can, and if he takes it, 
then it will end up being about 75% of the 18 whatever million that the qualifying offer will come in at this year. So you're looking at, I think it's like 13 or 14 million. He's, he's not going to want to hit the market and try to convince someone else to sign him. The Twins know him better than anybody else at this moment. I mean, the Mariners know him from before. The Yankees know him from before, but the Twins know him the best right now. If they believe that it was an honest mistake and things that I've heard off the record tend to suggest that, mm-hmm. I think there's a good chance he comes back next year. Yeah, uh, we should be clear with any of these PD things. And it's, I think the same thing with Planko. Planko is an over-the-counter supplement, I believe, right? Was, you stand a Zolal. Yeah, and I, I... Same stuff that Irvin Santana got popped for. And what it is is they don't care about your intent. They care about what's what shows up in your body. That yeah, it yeah. is, and if you look at like all these players drink this thing called Psalm Sleep, which is, um, yeah, isn't seeps, it that can that you see in like everybody's locker? Yeah, and it's it's a sleep supplement that has melatonin in it, but it says sports safe, meaning that they're like nothing in here will show up in a drug test. But let's say there was something in there that is against the major league rules. Major League Baseball changes their rules next year or something. That wouldn't be legally binding. The the phrase sports safe would not be legally binding. No, but not only that, it's it's even if the intent is to make you sleep not stronger, it's it doesn't matter. It's you took something that went into your body that you're then penalized for. So this is what Rocco's getting at with with Polanco and, and going back to the Pineda thing. I think it's I think they probably would keep one of Gibson or Pineda. Gibson probably is the least popular pitcher among the fans, giving up the home run in relief, mm-hmm. how he started this season. We know some of this is related to illness. Um, yep, some of it anyway. Both of us believe that you're better off signing. If you are pl- if you have two players of the same caliber, sign the guy that you know. Yeah, the um, medical history, personality. I doubt they keep both. And the reason why I say that is Pineda is getting into his 30s. He looked good, obviously, when he um, – late in the season, but we know he's injury prone. Fair or unfair, the PED thing will stick with him. But how much does it help that he's got fewer miles on his arm because of time missed? I think it does. It's something, but I don't know that it's big. Yeah, I mean, what kind of sticks in my mind, though, is he could have come back last year from Tommy John and had a knee issue. Yeah, the meniscus. Right, and so, I mean, again, I don't think you keep both. I'm guessing that they're going to try to upgrade in the offseason, right? Get a pitcher who's better than Perez. Uh, Gibson, mm-hmm. Pineda, right? Um, probably list, should do two. That I'm, list is not exactly. It's the, tough, and I think it's something to explore in the off season. Odorizzi, I think for, I, I, it's almost certain to me. I just think that Key is an advocate for Rocco and that whole kind of the Rocco's methods. Well, just yeah, and the methods that he's using. So you think Odo will be back, and then one of the two of Pineda and Gibson are likely. I don't. I think there's no way it's both. I just don't. Yeah, I can see that. I just think they want to have a spot for someone they think is better. It's going to be the same mentality as Prez. They'll probably go get someone who someone else is not valuing, and they're like, we could turn them around. And you hope that it does. I like the idea behind Perez. I don't like the execution. So Madison Bumgarner's 30. He could be an option. I don't know. Here's the thing. It's the Justin Verlander problem. Yeah. When you hit 30 and you've been a terrific pitcher, do you take the Justin Verlander path and, you know, maybe it's rocky for a little bit and then you just take off again? Or do you take the Felix Hernandez, yeah, Felix Hernandez Tim Lincecum path yeah. and you're just done? Now, Phil, Bumgarner, Phil Hughes was like, Phil Hughes two years before he retired was phenomenal. Right. Yeah. And, I mean, thoracic outlet. Yeah. Shoulders have no survivors. By the way, yeah. Phil Hughes is going to be a father coming up. Yeah, I saw that. On Pretty Twitter, exciting. Which is cool, yeah. But Matt Harvey, another guy that 
if you thought he was going to be a free agent five years ago, you'd think he was getting $150 million. Garrett Cole, everyone wants Garrett Cole. I just, I'm not sure I see them going big like that. What if you Darvish opts out of his deal with the Cubs, though? I'd rather have Garrett Cole than you Darvish. Well, no, there's no question about that. Yeah. I'm just saying they chased you Darvish before. He's 33. He's got four years and $81 million left on the deal, so I'm guessing he won't opt out. And honestly, he's not going to want to opt out and then get a two-year, $50 million deal from somebody. But it could be interesting. Dallas Keuchel is going to be a free agent. He's pitching, I think, quite well for the Braves. He's got a 0.97 ERA over the last month or so. Then you've got, it's just Rick Porcello. Tanner Roark could be interesting. Hyunjin Ryu, I think, is going to end up with the Dodgers again. Steven Strasburg can opt out of four years and $100 million. Michael Waka, Zach Wheeler is really interesting. And if you thought Alex Wood could stay healthy, you could look at him too. I, I'm still on board. I'm still locked into the idea that they end up trading Eddie Rosario for a pitcher. Like a number, yeah. a number three, four pitcher, and maybe mm-hmm. a prospect they really like. Because they've really been good at identifying prospects like Dakota Chalmers for Fernando Rodney. Rodney ends up getting DFA'd early this year by the A's. Meanwhile, Chalmers comes back from a, a really bad injury and looks really good. And they've done that with Zach Littell, who had, who had good numbers in the minors, but has really become dominant this year in the bullpen. And in fact, I will have a feature on him sometime in the near future once the 30 minutes of interview that I had with him on Monday is transcribed. So yeah. yeah, so they've done a good job in those trades. And so maybe they get a number three starter and a decent prospect. But I think that's the most likely way that they upgrade in the sense that I don't see them spending 150 to 200 million on Garrett Cole. I don't I don't either. And it's not it's it's kind of because he's 29. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like those are kind of they're not great contract. I, but, but I mean, if he gets five or six years and 180, 150 to 180, would you go 30 million a year for him? Because I think I probably would. Um, like I do five and one thir- 150 with the vesting at, let's say, 350 innings for the two years before for a sixth year at $30 million. For who is this? Garrett Cole. You're going to have to go yeah. 30 million a year. I know. And, and it's really, you're probably, you know, the last two years of that deal aren't great. Probably. But that's why you put in the the option where. He needs to get 350 between those two seasons yeah. to vest the last one. I don't hate it. I Garrett Cole's the I like that contract. He's the only player I really give a big deal, I think, of that group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, regardless, we should just we should also point out he may just want to go somewhere else. The twins are probably a more desirable option, certainly the, more than last year. I think he's gonna end up with the Angels, and so is Jason Castro. Weird. Like what a weird team. But I, I suppose you have trout. They need defense behind the plate yeah. and they're going to spend the money. He's from yeah. that area, and yeah. it just it makes too much sense. I mean, in that sense, Minnesota is not as much of a destination, but yeah, I, they're, they're a good team and on the upswing. So I agree. I the point with Pineda Gibson, like that caliber pitcher, is you're bringing him on so that you don't just turn to Lewis Thorpe and say, "Hey, can you can you take this over?" Right? Give the reason why you have kind of stopgap veterans is so that you're pushing your, you know the other guys to kill it in triple a and, and to take over a spot. Yeah. And then make spot starts. If somebody gets hurt or needs to be skipped and really who have, who have, 
what we've seen. This is kind of where I was going to go is they should have called that game in Cleveland Friday. I think a lot of us in hindsight's 2020 were like the, and I get the Indians don't want to help the twins, but the twins are coming off a night game in, on Thursday. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah, they got um, in at like 5 a.m. Yeah, everyone looked at the radar and was like, uh, it looks like 8. They thought it's 9. They they just wanted to get a game in, which is dumb, like a 5-6 inning game. That I don't think that's how you should determine the AL Central, and we know that Saturday kind of did. Mm-hmm. We don't know that for sure. The, the Twins have to take care of business against bad AL Central teams, but right. they should. Um, I didn't get that mentality. Uh, having said that, I think Saturday worked out because they're showcasing everybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, and I, I know some people don't love this, but I think the reason why, for example, Romero's using somewhat high leverage, I think that was more Sunday, but because you need to know if he's there. Because if he is and a call gives you anything, a Romero, a call, a Gratterall bullpen is that's what you want. You want those flamethrowers. That's what Kansas City had when they won the World yep, Series. They're right? all going to be nasty if they catch on grad all we've discussed as reliever could be a starter yep but push grad all be a starter don't just go hey thanks for uh playing for us last year can you now start for us for 160 180 innings um the you know so of the guys we saw i guess thorpe and grad and maybe smelter the only guys i would see making starts and even dobnak you think dobnak could be the fifth starter i don't really think so but yeah i i think they think so what a crazy story. Guy who was in Utica, Michigan. What a crazy season. That I know. Poppin, Stashak, Dobnak, yeah. Thorpe, all through, maybe not significant, but consider. oh, Smeltzer too, through considerable innings this year. I mean, what do they have combined? Maybe 80 innings? That's 90, 100, maybe 100 innings? That's yeah. crazy. I like Stashak as a reliever, not as a starter. But I think Stashak's shown he could be the sixth or whatever. You know, the first guy. Out of the bullpen, right? Yeah, like the Anthony Swarzak. Yeah. I The again, twins Anthony Swarzak. No idea who he was, I think, entering the season. But it shows you that we thought Cole Stewart might take over one of those spots. Didn't. Romero would be a high leverage reliever. Wasn't. Uh yeah, he was a weapon. Parker Parker was supposed to be a reliable veteran, at least in the second half of the season, was not. Ryan you Harper know, early in the season. Hildenberger. I still hold up hope that Hildenberger's got something right. just because it's funky. Yep. It's a little like Smelter, and it's why I don't believe in Smelter the starter. Mm-hmm. But I believe someone with that delivery who – someone like that can figure it out for a couple of years and be a – and, again, I don't think he's your setup guy or your closer, but could be a – A key piece in the yeah, front end. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in terms of starters, I mean, you just don't have that many options. So it's not a terrible thing to maybe sign a – you know, someone – sign a reclamation project, let's say. Keep two of these guys who aren't like in Pineda's case has upside, right? Yeah. In Gibson's case is, is a known commodity. Um, so keep one of those two. And then I would, and I mean, I guess there's a chance it's both. There's a chance someone overpays Pineda too, right? Given what he, what they saw. From I him. really doubt it becoming off the PEDs though. That's the only thing. Yeah. Although and other, and other people know what, what you know, and you if know? they offer him a QO though, yeah. he's going to take it. Yeah. Cause he's not going to want to risk hitting the market and getting screwed over like players have gotten the last two years. There's a chance. I, so do you think Gibson came off the, out of the bullpen? Yep. That was Sunday. And I thought, are they trying him as a reliever, trying to see if that's what they want to do? No, with he the told them, I heard him telling someone else that he told them he was available to do that if they needed it Yeah, because he knew that it was a some, something in between starts where he, he wasn't getting as much work as maybe he thought he was going to. And so he said, listen, guys, if you need me on the pen, I'm, I'm available. That's who he is. I mean, he he was 
in the in an 18 inning game, right? The one against the Red Sox, he pitched mm-hmm. in relief. Yep. He said he's willing to play the outfield. This is why Gibson continues to get kind of some leeway. Maybe other, maybe other players wouldn't. Is that he still throws hard, and um, the yeah, I mean he still he still throws hard, and he has major league stuff. I you know it's not maybe what it was in his best years, but right. He's also willing to do whatever, and I you know. There's a chance all three come back. I think Odorizzi could be overpaid. I get the argument for Pineda, but he's not kind of like an immediate solve. Mm-hmm. And as much as I said, if you're going to go with the – I'm going to use the Kevin Correa as my example. If you're going to go with the Kevin Correa type signing, which makes sense for the fifth starter, do that as in-house as you can. If you're going to go with Pick the, up Martin Perez's option then. Right. And then have Perez battle Dobnak, Smeltzer, whoever. Yeah. With the idea that seven and a half million, if Perez goes out to the bullpen, is not prohibitive. I kind of made the assumption that Perez was coming back. I don't know why I that is, not, but I have not gotten a good read on that whatsoever. I just the reason why is we're gonna see him as actually, what are they gonna do in the playoffs? It's gonna be Burrios. It's gonna be We're gonna talk Odorizzi. about that. We're gonna talk about that. So yeah. just well, I'll hold off on that. But my point is I think you need to know what he can offer in relief. I pick up the option if I, I think he's an upside as a reliever. You hope he's a starter. You assume he's a good reliever. Yep, if I, think, you, I think that's for sure. Yeah. So I, did, I actually didn't even include him in there. My point, I don't know what Gibson's upside. He's not like um, Pelfrey. We're Pelfrey. We wanted to see him as a reliever. I'm not sure Gibson. I know he could throw harder, but I'm not sure Gibson the reliever is like that great of an upside. No, I think yeah. his pitch mix with the slider and the sinker are just better suited for the rotation. And when he's consistently executing, that slider is among the best swing and miss pitches in baseball. In fact, last year, I believe it was one of the best swing and miss pitches in the entire game. And it just hasn't been there this year. And how much of that is health, how much of that is whatever yeah. kind of inconsistencies, because he is a tall guy and, and tall guys have some inconsistencies in their delivery by, by definition. I mean, yeah. that's why John Roush wasn't a starter. And that's why a lot of these yeah, tall who guys... Was this? There was like a super tall dude right who was in their minor league system we briefly came up and they were uh, like yeah i can't do the same delivery over and over again alex meyer Al- they had alex meyer i thought you were talking about loke van mill no the netherlands guy yeah no who actually who actually just passed away recently yeah 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 yeah. um not not him i'm trying to think of who oh aaron uh, slagers slagers yes they were like he couldn't um he couldn't repeat his delivery and that's why <laughs> i don't know i guess it's not out of the question to say Putting, I got an amazing Slager story for you. Yeah, is it podcast? Where, like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Derek Wetmore oh, God. <laughs> went in and saw him at a spring training clubhouse, and it was one of the old ones, so Slagers had to duck in there. And Wetmore goes over, just kind of making conversation. He's like, hmm, looks like there's no room for you here. And Slagers goes, just flatly, yeah. <laughs> like, and I, he must have taken it the wrong way. Like, yeah. oh, it looks like there's no room for you on the roster. Looks yeah. Like, but he just, Derek thought he was making this fun conversation and they were just going to banter a little bit. And that was going to be that, you know, just break the ice. And it was the exact opposite of that. Like, and Slager's not a bad guy at all. Yeah. Nice I don't guy. remember him being tough to talk to. No, no, no. He's super good guy. But yeah. It was just funny. Like, oh, looks like there's no room for you. And I wonder if he just thought, what do you mean? Like on this roster, on this team? Yeah. 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 In yeah. this organization. Yeah. And I mean, you don't get a lot of those interactions. There's not like the Minnesota media core is, yeah. you know, pitchforks and torches, but no, I don't um, know. I th- <laughs> what an interesting, because people really believed in him and it, and it just, he came up here and he threw 90 or whatever. The, uh, yeah, I think the, 
I guess it's not out of the question that, that you keep Pineda. It's going to be really f- interesting what the – I believe the organization will stick to its guns. If they believe that it was simply – and it sounds like that's what they believe and there's reason to believe that it's it's simply a mishap more than like intent to mm-hmm. get better off of uh, performance enhancing drugs. I think um, – I think though – yeah, I don't know. I just – for some reason I think there there's a chance they may just say, you know – Either we don't want to deal with this with Pineda and, and kind of the negative press and not knowing if he'll stay healthy and that he will only play a full season. And with Gibson, they may just say maybe he should have a change of scenery to end his career. And he's 32, I, so it's not yeah. like he's going to – or he will be 32. It's not like – he was actually born during the 1987 World Series, I just remembered. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, so it's not like, though, that he's going to burn you and have – unless he becomes Charlie Morton somewhere else, which uh, the odds of that are probably – No, I think it's more do you want this player who most starters – we know this with Pelfrey – would tell you, nope, I'm not going to re- be a reliever, right? And he's like, I'll be a reliever in a long game. I'll be one in this I, weird – I think Pelfrey – legitimately believed his stuff wouldn't play in the bullpen. I think that's why he didn't do it. Yeah. I think he couldn't get And loose. I think there was a pride thing, too. I mean, uh, I think it well, was... I mean, he, he, he just retired. He was just done. Like, he's yeah. just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going away. What about... So, here's the question. Let's say the Twins win 98 games. Yeah. And then you've got to replace three starters. The, the, the fact of the matter yeah. is that you can't go into the next season after winning 98 with three question marks. No. How do you incorporate? And you know what? Who's a name we didn't even mention, and we haven't mentioned all year? Stephen Gonsalves. I mean, yeah. we mentioned him, but not not as though like he's an option. And this has been an entirely lost season for him. Yeah. But do you consider him as part of that group? And yet, still, you want to see what you have in Gonsalves and all these guys, but you may only be able to promise half a rotation spot to him that Pineda is earmarked for from you know. May 15th on. I don't know what the answer is because you're not going to sign three guys at 12 to 15 million per or more. Do you go get a reclamation project like Kevin Gaussman if he gets non-tendered by the Reds? You know, he's... I, I think you try one reclamation project, period, at the end. You, again, with the consultants, you can't say, oh, yeah, he'll be the fifth starter. I, there was the road to 95 or yeah. whatever, right? Okay, so, all that, but so is your reclamation project your piggyback with Pineda or is Perez your piggyback with Pineda and your reclamation project is a swingman? How do you structure that so that you're not promising two of five rotation spots to guys who are total wild cards in this rotation next year? I I would maybe start with Perez. I, I, so Perez is your put up or shut up guy. Yeah. And when Pineda comes back, actually when Pineda comes back, you can send the one that's performing worse to the bullpen. My only problem is, what if they both stink? Because then you've dug yourself a fairly big hole. Well, you're what you're doing is you're hoping a prospect steps up. I mean, it is a big hole, but yeah, yeah. But then you're but prospect. Then you're still relying on someone you weren't before. That's the thing is. Then again, that's forty percent of your rotation from a hundred win team, ninety eight whatever, is a question mark, and they can't have that. I know you just can't. Now, Brios, wonderful last night. Yeah. Seven and a third, two earned runs. James McCann got him for a home run. James McCann is the guy who has hit the most home runs off Jose Barrios of any player. I know. He calls him daddy. He has four, and I believe nobody else has more than two. And Barrios is just like, yeah, I got to tip my cap. But in the first inning, Lurie Garcia leads off with a single to the opposite field side, I think it was. And then Yohan Mankata pokes a double. Mankata had a really crazy game, by the way. So anyhow... 
Abreu lifts a fly ball to Lamont Wade. Wade fires it in towards home. Marwin cuts it off, fires over to third, and Yoan Mankata out at third base, not even particularly close. Later in the game, he gets picked off first base by Barrios, who Barrios threw over once, and he's like, I got him. Threw over again, boom, nailed him. And then the grounder by Arise. Which is like the most Deadspin did in Arizona. That took the right turn at Albuquerque instead of the left turn. And (laughs) totally, Rocco's like, Mankata's a good defensive third baseman. I'm, that might be overstating it a little bit. He's obviously very gifted. He's a, a prospect. Of, I mean, I think that's probably. But I mean, he at. made a, a big league third baseman look like a little leaguer. I, it's such a, a rise thing. You, you had said something like, maybe a rise is the player that people think Asadio is. Yeah, right, right. With uh, this, you would think like Asadio, a Jedi mind trick or something. Or but when, Jedi when's the, the last time you remember Williams Asadio hitting a ball hard? Uh, right. I. I. It's. Yeah. It's more kind of. You're right. And I think with a rise, I, I don't know how to explain it other than that. Like he seems to find a way to kind of make contact. And sometimes you see these weird things because it's probably a ball that no one would swing at. Right. Yeah, yeah. Period. And so he, and there's times when he's just going with the ball and it looks weird kind of cause he's swinging at a ball that would be out of the strike zone or whatever, or kind of borderline. And he probably knows he is usually right. And this is the thing. The players are usually right about the strike zone. There's mm-hmm. times when they're dead wrong, but usually they're right. And, um, I think he's learning that just because you're right about the strike zone doesn't mean that the umpire is or that it will be called correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is the weirdest ball I've seen him hit, but you've seen this, right? The little balls that kind of just like find their way out of the infield. And this is how he the has like a three. Singles. Yeah, I mean, he has like a 350 average, doesn't he? He's like 345 or something with a 370 something batting average on balls in play. And it's it, it's wholly unsustainable over a full season. It's it's not quite the Danny Santana situation because there's very obviously more contact talent mm-hmm. and a better approach. Danny Santana, even this year, was was walking at like a rate of two or three percent, which is like Eddie Rosario territory. Arise is going to be in that league average 7 8% and will make a ton of contact, and that's why he can probably lead off. He's hitting seventh today, but it's against a lefty, and he's slugging 300 against lefties. But I think that he's – he defies a lot of explanation with what he does, and I think that that batted ball – and when, when a lefty hits a ball to the left side, the natural fade or tail is going to be in the opposite direction because of how the ball is spinning because you kind of pull it with the bat – yeah, you know that's kind of yeah. That's what I was. You're explaining so how do you I how do you? I mean, I know with a, a soccer <laughs> ball, so you weird. can you can spin it with the inside and outside of your foot to yeah. you know make it change. And they do that intentionally all the time. Yeah. But with a baseball bat, you know you can do it with a tennis racket. You can do like that was one thing we used to play with this. I wouldn't say elderly, but they're in like their sixties. Yeah, this husband and wife used to play against my wife and I in tennis, and we were just hitting the ball around. We weren't super competitive. But I would always hit it to the wife, and I would put a weird spin on it every time. And, and she would have the Mankata situation where she would see it go one way, and it would spin the other. Bailey, what? Bailey, I need I'm kind commentary of a, from I'm, Justin I'm Bailey. I'm kind of a dick that way. Does that make you feel good about yourself? <laughs> Tricking a 60-year-old woman playing tennis? Yeah. Does that make you feel like a big man? He feels like the, the alpha male. He feels like the alpha male in, in his neighborhood. <laughs> I... uh um, quality commentary there. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, I, 
I, I don't know. Again, I, I hope Arias like intended to do it. I think there's no way he did. And you're right. It's just he's just a funky player, and funky things will happen. Yeah. And I, you're right. It's not sustainable over the course of a whole year. I think he's a major league player. Mm-hmm. I think he will be in the Escobar role, or he may be. He probably start at second next year, and then when Lewis yeah. breaks through, I'm assuming Polanco will be second base again, yeah. hoping that this year was a bit of an aberration for Lewis because he did he did struggle, but they still pushed him. He got to Pensacola. Sometime next year could be that debut. If he has a really nice year at Pensacola and Kirilov does too, those guys are they're not far away. Larnick, not far away. Yeah. And so they're gonna keep adding young talent because Gratterall's on the 40 now. Alcala's on the 40 now. I love it. I love that they're pushing guys. I, I know that this is also what fans want, but what you have to understand is this is a little more scientific than even what we're coming up with. Do, do you know what's great about it too? Because they have so many veterans, they don't have to rely on these kids. Yep. Second of all, when you push a lot of kids, like let's just say you're hypothetically pushing eight guys maybe a little more aggressive on your 40-man. Let's say three of those guys turn into the player they're supposed to be. That's not as catastrophic when you have so much talent around them. If three of those guys become very good everyday regular players, not necessarily a Max Kepler type situation, but maybe they meet their projections like Kyle Gibson are a little better. If, if Brujar Gratterall and Alcala and one of the hitters does that, Arise, for instance, and then a few other guys fall by, you know, Alcala doesn't have command or, or whatever, you've still kind of beaten that whole idea that, you know, development isn't linear, X number of fifth-round picks make it to the big leagues, whatever. You, even by pushing these guys, and it might seem like they're going to have a, an attrition rate, it's not going to be so risky because you're putting them in a good situation. It's a winning ball club. It's a good environment, good veteran leadership. It's all solid, you know? Totally agree. And I think this is how you got to think about the pitching too. Who do you keep in the locker room and who do you keep, you know, who's a capable guy in the rotation and what are reasonable expectations for the best pitchers in your system, right? I mean, the, yeah, the, guys, you, the guys you expect to stand up. So I think that's an important point. They are no longer... Um, there, I don't think there will ever be an Aaron Hicks situation again. I hope not because yeah. Aaron Hicks is a good player who was put into a bad situation. Speaking of best pitchers in their system, though, when we talked about Jose Brios for a little bit, he so he's had back-to-back starts with five days off, pitched phenomenally. I, I wrote in my story that his ERA from the beginning of August until the beginning of September was 807. I said it was like a CD toll-free number. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> What do you think Justin of that one, Bailey? Justin Bailey didn't even flinch. Bailey, Bailey doesn't even bother. He's on his phone. He didn't even bother. To and <laughs> then he just kind of flipped the switch, and he had the big curveball, and he had the velocity coming back, and new, I, new post-game routine with soft tissue massage, and whatever he's doing makes sense. Now, how do you handle him the rest of the way knowing you may need to bring him back early, assuming you – maybe you're trying to save your season. Maybe you're trying to win the AL – division series early so you have a little more time to rest your guys before facing the Yankees or sorry the Astros Yankees whoever you might face in the championship series do you want to get him rolling in the regular season mm-hmm. on regular rest while still lining him up for that first start or do you give him those extra days because you have so many pitchers right now that you can add that bullpen game in there every fifth day to push him back the rest of the way this is how I see it. First of all, actually, no, no, hang on a second. They have 12 games left. They could literally give him. No, they couldn't do that because then he would. I feel like they could give him five and a start, five and a start, but then he wouldn't be lined up to make the next start until like game three of the playoffs. You're not going to do that. 
So maybe maybe if he had started like today, five off, the next start, five off, and then start the first game of the playoffs, that might have worked. But I don't know, 12 games left if you keep him on four days rest. That's probably not too difficult to line him up for that first start, but that's just me kind of flying off the seat. Of my here's pants. here's where I, I'll go with that. That the the playoff calculation is makes this difficult. You got to do what's right by him. Yep. And what I mean by that is, I actually would. You know, I was there in Boston, saw the start. It was a bad result, but I think Mookie Betts just had his number. I. I think we're going to find out, and again, I don't have an answer on this, why like McCann and Betts, and maybe it's just a matter of Max Kepler has, you know, what's his name's number, the uh, um, the Indies pitcher. They trade Trevor away. Bauer. Trevor Bauer, right? I mean, I don't know. Jacob if, Blazer's favorite player. Yeah, I don't know what, yeah, because uh, the drones. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We should explain. Jacob Blazer is in the. Works uh, for Airviews in the drone. Yeah, Airviews, and then, and then freelances and is in the press box, yeah. Um, the, and he's Canadian. Um, he is a Canadian man. The, uh, in terms of Brios, I thought his velocity was back on, against Boston. I think he looked generally good against Boston. I think yeah, it wasn't Mookie a Betts, it wasn't a Mookie Betts just had him. He just beat him every time. And that's not inexcusable. I mean, the dude won the MVP last year. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a concern in the playoffs because you're just going to face good players, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I, that may be a McCann situation where Betts, Betts clearly was swinging first ball on both and and both times got something that good to swing swing at. It's a learning I, experience. We know this about Brios. He works hard. He's he rolls out all his muscles. He's limber. He recovers fast. He also has Wes Johnson and the Twins pitching staff that on the fly seems to have corrected what went wrong in August. Mm-hmm. I think you have to do what's right with him. I understand you. I mean, I'm assuming you want him game one in the playoffs. No question about it. And in that case, <laughs> the math is really difficult. You almost want to play the, play it like super safe. I mean, I, do you think they do it where like he makes one start and then in the final twelve games? Yeah, I could see that. You could, yeah. So the, like, because here's the deal too: it comes down to clinching. If they clinch in the next six days, yeah, while they're still here, maybe you don't even make him make a start in that last week. I I almost wouldn't. Or maybe you have him come out of the bullpen or yeah. do an opener thing against maybe Kansas, not, not probably in uh, in Detroit, that yeah. last road series before Kansas City. Maybe you do that, have him come out three innings, tune up, throw his best stuff, just see what that, you got. That's, as much as people thought, it, listen, if Rocco wanted to disrespect the Cleveland Indians in Cleveland, he would have said it. We pressed him on this. Did you, Would you have this lineup if you hadn't won both games on Saturday? He could have just said, nope, I'm doing this to say F you to the Cleveland Indians. He probably wouldn't say it that explicitly, but he could suggest more like, yeah, I'm mad at them for the rainout game, let's yep. say. Yep. I think he wants, and I know this is sometimes a bummer for fans because you see weird players in weird situations. I think he wants and should know. I mean, do you think Alcala gets a appearance? I assume he does. Yeah, after they clinch for sure. You got you want to see what you have in him. I know people are sick of Romero. I think you got to see what you have in a guy who throws that hard. You Put, could have you could have a bullpen game with Alcala, Romero, Smeltzer, Stewart. See, see more of Gratterall. Stashak, all those guys. And uh Stewart's a weird one. I yeah, I think he may he may be used in lieu of regular starters, mm-hmm. perhaps open for or something. Something like that. Or just give him starts and be like, dude. 
Otherwise, I think they're going to say, "Fine, we're going to trade you and see if someone else." Just outright him, yeah. I think I think what might happen is have him open for Thorpe or Smelter, and it gives you a different look. Yeah, and I, but yeah, I think you want to see as much Thorpe, as much Smelter, as much Grat, any of these. And I think what you have to see this is the team still has urgency to win. Yep. Because you're right, they have to clinch games, and I think. If you follow the Twins, you want to see all these guys as much as Rocco in the front office do mm-hmm. because they need to choose the right people to go into the playoffs with. And they also need – we talked about the playoff predicament. I mean, you look at it – or sorry, the pitching predicament next year, and you're like, there is no easy answer there. I, Garrett Cole is the not – The one thing I remain confident in, though, is that they have a plan. And it's yeah. probably something we are not thinking about. I hope so. Because well, – yeah, we don't want yeah. – nobody should visit either of these brains. But <laughs> – but I'm Bailey. Maybe we can maybe talk to uh Yelich's best friend, Justin Bailey. Yeah. I just <laughs> think though, that they always have a plan. Like they've got something mapped out, sketched out, um, that, that will make sense that we're maybe not considering right now. Yeah. The point is some of these guys are part of their future. This is time for them to show them that they are, and that they deserve a playoff spot. Um, that's what these final few games should be used for. That's why they need to win as many as possible early on. And that's why you have to do right per Perios because we've seen this with more rest. Mm-hmm. I really think he did the right thing. Don't start him in Cleveland and you don't need him to win that game. Move him back to Chicago, a better team or a worse team at home, a better situation to go seven and a third. Feel good about yourself. Be in the, your best friend. Rocco said playoffs. confidence is real. I wonder how much that had to do with the fact that he made he, that start. If especially if Baldelli knew he was going to rest a bunch of regulars, you don't want Barrios to lose four two. Romero got screwed by the defense. I he didn't look great, but I mean, you know, Rosario had kind of an adventure and like, what I can't remember the other play. Way too often now. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny. He, I think he'll remain a fan favorite because he he is an exciting player. He seems to deliver in the moment, right? But it does seem like in at times where he is not as mentally engaged, Mm -hmm. he can be really bad. Yep. Um, and the problem is for Romero that sticks with him and it probably shouldn't. I don't think it was a phenomenon. I don't think it was as bad. Was it scope scope messed up, uh, something in the infielder. One of the infielders also, messed I don't remember up, off the top of my head. Um, regardless, it was, um, you know, I, I think, I think you're right. You, you want to, you, you just, you need to do what you did, get him confident again. Cause we've seen him. He is usually like a, just really happy kind of. You know, you rarely see Brios upset, and we know he got incredibly upset about himself in August. And I don't think that's the only thing. I think there's mechanical changes. I think there's, you know, maybe some rest stuff. But uh, I, I made a really bad joke about Brios after the game last night. Oh yikes! The PR department was like, "Guys, just hold on. Brios is going through a new post game routine. Yeah, he'll be out here." And I said to Dan Hayes, "I'm like, wonder if his new post game routine is just leaving without talking to us." Not good. No. Not good. Fortunately, Bailey doesn't like that. Fortunately, one. I do not think that the PR staff listens to this show. Yeah, I mean, and I th- and I think again, I think that was an indication of he was not mentally where he used to. You know, he he just we're not used to seeing Brios kind of in that mental state, and I think he's out of it, and I think he'll be good. And I I would treat you know Odorizzi will be fine or whatever, but treat Odorizzi and any of these guys that you're going to use in the playoffs. Focus on what they what they need to do in order to be at their best in the postseason with 12 games left for both the twins and Indians. If the twins go six and six, the rest of the way, Cleveland has to go 11 and 11 to look back. The twins have gone six and six in their last 12, two in Boston, six with Cleveland, three with Washington. That does not add up to 12. What did I do wrong? (laughs) 
Oh, one against Chicago. Uh, that's a much t- tougher stretch than two more with Chicago, four with Kansas City, three with Detroit, three with Kansas City. It it may not come down to going six and six because whenever they clinch, you might have the 1987 thing where they lose the rest of the games because it's just a you know get guys healthy, get guys some at bats. Right, right. So I guess my question is. Do you think there's any chance Cleveland misses the playoffs altogether? They're five. I, I, yeah, they're five back in the division, one and a half back of Tampa, two and a half back of Oakland. Jason Kipnis is on the or out for the year, Hammett fracture. Again, they're playing Detroit, but then they've got three with Philly, three with the White Sox, three with Washington. That last series with Washington, Washington's hit the skids. They've lost nine of their last fourteen games. They may be playing for their playoff lives. That might be a crazy good series at the end of the year. If both of those teams are playing for playoff position, I don't have the NL wildcard standings in front of me, but I know it's it's dicier than it yeah. was before. Yeah. I think there's a very real chance that Cleveland finishes, you know, with 93, 94 wins and is short. That it might take 95 wins to win both the wildcards. And like I tweeted, yeah. last year. The Yankees had 100 wins and were a wild card team because the Red Sox won 108. And then the Twins in 2017, 85 wins, worst record of an all of any of the wild card teams in the two wild card era, the wild card game era. Um, actually, I think 85 was also how many they won in 87 when they won the World Series. So again, it doesn't matter how many games you win in the regular season. But for me, I'm guessing I'm going to guess. Cleveland goes eight and four the rest of the way. I'm going to say they win 95 games, but man, they're going to sweat it out those last few down the stretch. So I think, you you think they make it? You think the Indians? No, are? I, right now I'm not sure. They're going to the be, the, be in that ether with Tampa and Oakland, who are going to win 95, 96 games, 94, 95, 96, whatever. Um, and I have the Twins at 98 wins, meaning six and six the rest of the way. So exactly what I said. With the idea that at some point with Kansas City here this weekend, Tom Schreier is going to get sprayed in the face nice. with champagne. I'm bringing Red Dog. Nice. Fighting back. I I think you're right. I think in terms of Cleveland, I think there's a chance. I mean, I think it's pretty good that they're not. I How bad would that be to go from – well, Marwin said it. Did you see the Marwin video I shot yesterday? No. So basically – some TV camera guy was like, so what was the pressure like in Cleveland? First of all, Marwin didn't even play. So he did not, super yeah. good question, right? Yeah. But Marwin diplomatically says, you know, honestly, I don't want this to sound bad, but there was no pressure. We're ahead. The team that's behind has the pressure. I, I didn't get that sense either. Just being around the team. It, Rocco was really smart. He's like getting late Friday. I get we had a late game Thursday. Um, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I'm trying to articulated perfectly there is no um they acted as though they were in the middle of the season there mm-hmm. was no different in Rocco difference said in that demeanor too, and i don't i don't think they were like watching football all day on I, saturday i'm not sure that that the media when they weren't playing realized but. that or or were like like phil miller's like you starting to think about the division title and Rocco's like we're not thinking about anything other than what's in front of us and i believe him but i think i mean i think he played he, he, the lineup was different on Sunday than it would yeah, have been. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's whatever. I mean, it could have been a getaway day lineup anyway. But 
I think he I think he was being about 75 to 80% truthful. The lineup is probably that 20% where you're like, oh, come on, man. I, truthfully, like they were when they weren't playing the games and we were in the clubhouse, they were like sitting around eating, watching football. Like I, I really like I don't know how to explain it other than that. It did not feel as though they were like, these are two games we got to win and everyone's uptight and freaking out. And no, I think there, there's pre- I mean, I'm sure they want to clinch as quick as possible, figure out what he, what they got with everyone. But I, I don't. I don't remember what the original premise was, but I don't think this team feels much pressure. And we know this because on the road, they're like, they have 50 wins. It'd be cool. Know. It'd be cool if they won 100 games, but I don't think that they're going to have to sweat it out to the point where they need to try win that many. Now, with that said, a tanking or a, a, a B Twins lineup still might be a lot better than an A Detroit Tigers lineup. And they could still win some games that they're not necessarily trying to win. And let's not. I mean, Ryan, Ryan like, Lam- a, like a like an Ian Miller, Ryan Lamar, Lamont Wade outfield, yeah, still might be enough to beat <laughs> amazing Detroit right now. The other thing you have to consider is individually each player still has incentives. Cole Stewart wants to either see if he can be back next year and fight for a rotation spot, or wants to end up in a good situation next year, right? Whether mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. different team, I mean, whether it's securing a minor league deal elsewhere, yep. or coming back to camp with the Twins. If the Twins outright him, he might ha- he probably has enough time to actually declare minor league free agency, but. I know that he's not been outrighted before, so in, I think it's I think he couldn't reject it in season, but out se- out of the season, I think he has enough time for minor league free agency. But you know he's gonna have a lot of he's gonna have a lot of incentive, like you said, to finish strong, even if the Twins are not necessarily playing the A lineup every single day down the stretch. So that you have um, Lamont Wade wants to be on the team next year. Lose. He wants to be on the postseason roster, man. Exactly, Ian Miller. Wants to be on the postseason roster. Thorpe probably wants to be a starter next year. Gratterall wants to be seen as the young, you know, prospect. Do you think like Romero wants to be in the bullpen? Akala probably wants to be like, you need, you know, mm-hmm. you need to make me part of the future. Individually, all these players have incentives. So even if it is not their best team that they're, they're playing, you're probably playing the players with the most incentive down the road. And it's not, it's not like a team that's going in the tubes and playing out the string either. So yeah. let's, let's do this. Let's do, before we let people off the hook, I want to go over my playoff roster and just kind of hear how you differ. Yeah. Matt Trueblood, who was on the program last time, if you haven't listened to it, I, I highly think he definitely it. needs to be on the roster. Yeah. Matt Trueblood, put him in there. Um, so for catchers, I've got Garver and Castro. I think that's pretty non-controversial for infielders. I've got Marwin, Arise, Polanco, Sano, Scope, Adrianza, and Crone. Adrianza has the oblique. Crone has the thumb. And so either one of them could be questionable. If I, they're I, out. Adrianza seemed fine in, in Cleveland when we talked to him. Again, you're just asking the player, but like mm-hmm. he wasn't wearing, I think he did have an ice pack, but he's not, he wasn't all bandaged. He, he said looked fine. I, I, think, I think there's a chance. I think, but, but if one of those guys can't go, is it Williams Astadio? Is it Ronald Torias? Is it. Ian Miller. So I only have four outfielders, Kepler, Rosario, Cave, and Wade. Man, it feels weird that Buxton's not in that group, but maybe Miller makes it as a late. You can remember, they did this with that 82 games of Buxton. I mean, that's that's nuts. And then DH is Cruz. Anything on offense that stands out to you? I mean, so let's just say Crone can't go and Gonzalez is going to play first base. Do you want the utility guy in Astadio, the utility guy in Torias? Torias has been kind of around the block. Or do you want the defensive outfielder who can run in, in Ian Miller? Ian Miller, and I think for situations. I think that's yeah. the only reason they brought him up. So yeah. I think I, I mean, would, just his speed. 
I think there's a real chance that Crone might not be on the ALDS roster. I'm also very convinced Crone's thumb is not healthy. Like, oh, I, I no, just, no, no, no. Yeah. It, like, that was a big... Go back in the quotes yesterday. That's a big topic of discussion yesterday with Rocco. I yeah. wasn't in there, but I got I did transcribing to get the quotes. It mm-hmm. was it was not good. Yeah. So three starters I have Barrios, Odorizzi, Gibson. Three and a half if you want to count Perez. And then eight relievers. So the first five are going to be slam dunks. Rogers, Romo, May, Duffy, Littell. There's no question those guys are in. I have Perez as my sixth. Pre- Perez is your Swing yeah, man. yeah. Seventh, I have Ryan Harper. I know people are not going to like that. And then um, I have Bruce Dar Gratterall, eighth. Now, the names in that mix Randy Dobnak, Trevor Hildenberger, mm-hmm. Fernando Romero, yeah. Devin Smeltzer, Cody Stashek, Lewis Thorpe. I could easily see Thorpe or Stashek. One of those guys making it over Harper. I would, I would take Thorpe or Stashek over. Harper. What about Smelter? Funky lefty. Smelter maybe two. He's got that Sam Cassell dance, the you know the big ball dance. Yeah. When he was the Timberwolves. I don't think I don't think Smelter would be afraid of anything. The dude sk- stared down cancer when he was like ten years old. Yeah, Smelter. It's funny. I've talked to him a little bit, and he's just. It's not like he's you know like this hardcore Philadelphia man or whatever. He's just like kind of. You're right. Everything kind of just. But he's just. Off he's him. not just happy to be there. No, no, no. I think he he believes. And has shown he's a major leaguer. Yep. I don't think he's a starter. I, he'd have to show more in order to convince me of that. But I, I think he, man, I don't know about Harper. I, I know he was here, you know, in Minnesota all year long. And um, honestly, the, that that is what we need to find out in the last few games of the season. It, we'll have where, such where a do clear, they see, yeah. Where do they see Harper? All of, all of these guys. Let's it doesn't matter. Up, let's Thorpe say they're up 8-0 tonight. Who pitches the seventh inning? Is it Ryan Harper is yeah. it Fernando Romero? Is it Cody Stashak? Is it Randy Dobnak? It won't be Randy Dobnak. I think he'll make a start down the stretch. Yeah. But if so, let's let's look at Harper's splits here quickly. Three four four ERA, eight point three strikeouts per inning, one point one one WHIP. On the surface, those numbers are very very good. But you go into second half, he's allowed a seven ninety OPS, four seventy ERA. The strikeouts have cratered. He does have a ten to one strikeout to walk ratio though. And has only allowed one home run in 15 of third innings. The home runs were kind of an issue early for him. If you have a scouting report that a guy can't handle curveballs very well, this yeah. is kind of your guy. And uh, it, it is a different look. No, it totally is. And so last, let's see, last 28 days, oh, he's only throwing five and a third innings. We don't care about that. Like his 3380 ERA. But his season numbers are respectable enough that I can't just say, you know what? He wasn't very good. Like literally in August, he had a seven three six ERA. It was three twelve in July. It was five seventy three in June. It was oh eighty four in May. And in April and March, it was two thirty one. That's really one terrible month, one iffy month, and then three either good or great months. To me, I I, I get him on there. Yeah. Um, that's about all I have, Tom. Yeah, well, the, we'll know so much more about the relievers. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Gibson too. Because we're, we're going to have to study. Starter. We're going to have to study how Rocco deploys the relievers down the stretch, and then from there we'll have a pretty good idea of who's going to be in the postseason ro- roster rotation bullpen, yep. and who's going to be that guy waiting if they have to remove somebody for injury or whatever. Yeah, I think 
Thorpe makes sense. Stashek, any, any one of those guys. Romero, if he pitches well, um, I know the numbers aren't there. Yeah. But if he shows you in this last two-week stretch, like seven innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, and two earned runs, that might be enough for me. Sounds good to me. A lot, a lot, even though they're playing bad teams and they should wrap up the division quick, a lot to learn about potential playoffs. What's your official right? prediction? Are they going to clinch here? Uh, I believe they will. Six more games. Magic number is eight, not nine. I believe they will, and I think it'll be a really fun like moment in Target Field, to be honest. Get some Instagram video, like Sam says. Yeah, the people want it. Anything? People don't. See, Bailey's on my side. Let's go. Anything from you, Bales? Uh, watch out for the Brewers. They're making they're making some moves here. Sure. Cubs and Cardinals play seven more times. Oh, and Tony Rizzo's out too. And uh, the Brewers are playing the Padres right now. They oh. play the I don't even they play bad teams. Well, not bad teams, but not the not Cubs everybody are, can play the Tigers and Orioles. Yeah, not the Cubs or Cardinals, who the Brewers apparently cannot beat to save their lives. So keep an eye out. The NL has far fewer teams tanking this year because like the two teams in in the wild card contention have like 83 wins and in the al it's like 93 yeah it's funny if the twins were in the brewers central they would have clinched three weeks ago probably yeah it would just before the astros yeah it would just be unbelievable spot tonight and a playoff spot tomorrow uh, division tomorrow yeah and like the dodgers are 96 wins or something crazy like they clinched at the all-star break the central really i don't know if it's the central just beating up on each other or if the central is just worse than everyone else typically they've it's, just it's either better or worse typically and, they've just been worse than everyone else but yeah. this it seems like all the teams are playing at a pretty even split but, so. but you could say they're better or worse and either one of them is a compelling argument yeah so know. we'll see reds eliminated last night Fun season for them, but just couldn't get over the hump. It's still, though, uh, everybody's having a better year than Pittsburgh. That's for sure. Yikes. So, yeah, for uh, the aforementioned Justin Bailey, for Tom Schreier, this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much for checking out Midwest Wing. We will be back probably on Thursday because your boy's flying out to Seattle on Friday. Going to be out there till Wednesday and then come back for one day. And then flying out, zone coverage will be in Kansas City for that last series, and then we'll figure out postseason coverage at some point. But zone coverage is on the move. Pretty exciting. Again, for Tom Schreier, for Justin Bailey, this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much. Check us out next week. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. Chicago.